Welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to New Zealand graphic designers, hear their stories, and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Johnson Wutiera. Johnson Wutiera is an artist and designer from Wellington. Currently, he has his own graphic design practice and teaches at AUT University. Johnson, hi. Thanks so much for joining me today. Good hello. Thanks for inviting me in. I'd like to start with asking you where you come from. Cool. So, um, ki te tātoku māma no Wanganui Ahau, no Tamahaki toku iwi, so on my mum's side. Uh, I'm from Wanganui. I was born in Tomaranui, so on the top end of the river. And uh, ki te tātoku pāpa no Ngāpui Ahau, so on my father's side of Ngāpui. You know, I've, I've kind of lived all over the country though, lived in Tomaranui, um, lived in Gisborne, lived in Wanganui, lived in Wellington and now living up in Auckland. Cool. And how did you first get into the field of graphic design? I got into design almost on accident. I was, I was always into art and design when I was in high school and I lived in fielding for the last few years of my study and I ended up going over to the Wanganui School of Design for like a day trip. Like to go and see what was over there one of my friend's cousin was there and when I got there I was just blown away um, by everything I saw so I decided graphic design is what I wanted to get into um, I also wanted to do I was really interested in game design when I was a student but that pretty much didn't exist uh, in New Zealand in secondary school or in tertiary institutions so I saw graphic designers combining like digital art and kind of things that I liked so yeah that's how I ended up there and did you have any influences um, or mentors in your family? I guess maybe in some ways my father was a mentor in that um, he was he's a very creative guy. He's, he was always building and making things um, around the home, from furniture to building trailers. Um, and he was always interested in typography and doing his own little signages and signs and things, even though he wasn't trained in any of that. He was trained in carpentry. So, yeah, I think there might have been a little bit of a creative streak through my dad, I guess. And training at Wanganui, um, did you have any you know tutors that stood out to you there that influenced you? Uh, there was there's so many good tutors at Wanganui. Uh, I really admire Hazel Gamick, who's the um, the woman who set up the school, um, and her crazy vision. You know, she came to New Zealand in the, the mid eighties, I think, um, just for a holiday. Ended up in Wanganui somehow and decided she was going to start this design school in the back blocks. And within a few years, it was New Zealand's leading graphic design school. And for the time that she was running it, for a period of about 20 years, it was the leading graphic design school. Um, so, you know, she's an amazing woman. At the time when I was a student, she was implementing um, things like we would do porphyry for guests. And this is at design school 20 years ago, you know, and this is stuff that's only coming through in conventional tertiary ed- educational institutes now in New Zealand. So I think she was a real visionary for that. I um, mean, didn't have the hang-ups that these schools have. Um, but you know, there was, um, I can just name the tutors I had, um, like Joe Giddens, um, Emmanuel Turner, uh, Andreas, there's just so many good lecturers there and that part of the reason was that the school had a huge body of international lecturers. So again, even though I'm wrong, I know half of the staff that were there were from America or from Hong Kong or Malaysia or something like that. So that was a real advantage, I think. Mm. And when you finished your um, training at in Wanganui, um, where did you go? Where did you work? So when I finished in Wanganui, I studied there until my master's. Mm. And my master's was a gestalt-based analysis of Māori carving. Um, so I was just really interested in, in how um, 
we might try and develop, I guess, Māori principles in terms of design practice. Because mm. there's lots of guidelines in terms of carving and weaving and, and tāmoko practice, but there isn't any tikanga in terms of design, so I thought I'd start with that sort of carving. Did my master's, and at the end of it, um, Hazel suggested that I go and do my doctorate. Um, and talking to, you know, my father, and it's any time I finish a degree, he said, oh, so you're going to go, you can do your master's? And I'd say, I don't know, should I? And he'd say, might as well. And, and that's what pretty much happened with my PhD. The same thing was, like, oh, you should, you know, do your PhD. I mean, you've done all this study. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, might as well, <laughs> sort of thing. So again, it just kind of, kind of went on straight on through. But during my master's and my doctorate, you know, I, the whole time I was doing like freelance design projects, um, trying to figure out what Māori design is on the way. Mm-hmm. So really developing your own voice as a designer from the beginning. Yeah, I think so. You know, like most designers went through traditional kind of teaching where it's mostly focused around, you know, Swiss and Bauhaus and German design, also American graphic design. But I was interested in what Māori design might look like and I couldn't find any models. Or the models I was finding in terms of Māori design that I thought were good design were being created by Pākehā designers with kind of Māori cultural advisors or artists. And I thought, well, why can't we have Māori doing good design so that's that was the the whole thing behind my journey and what I'm still doing I guess and how did you learn the business aspect then of working as a professional designer um I don't know if I've learned it (laughs) very well um just on the fly again just just going through project after project um probably doing a lot of things really badly um for quite a few years um but more recently, picking up really good books like Design is a Job, and a few people have taken me into their wings along the way, and that's that's been really helpful because I haven't had that type of studio experience. You know, we get to learn the ropes by being in a studio. I've had to kind of figure it out a lot on my own, but yeah, thankfully I managed to find a few good people to help me. And at the moment, you combine teaching with practicing as a designer. So how do you go about uh, balancing these two aspects? Mm, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm really balancing it at the moment. It's. I find it quite tricky because there are a lot more demands I think on lecturers than there used to be, um, particularly in terms of research. So, the way I try and do it is, is if I am doing any commercial projects, there it's still research for me. You know, every new design project I do is a research project, and and almost every new project I do is in a field I've never done anything before uh, so that offers um, a new challenge that throws new questions at me in terms of Māori design so if it's something that involves theatre I've got to figure out what how Māori design might work in a theatre um, space if it's something to do with fashion it's the same thing if it's a project involving packaging again these aren't areas I'm, I'm an expert in but I can try and bring Māori knowledge into it and figure out how we might be able to deal with, with these kind of conceptual problems mm. So you'd say that you you use the same process then for um, professional projects as, as for the research-based projects? Yes, essentially I do. Um, and I'm just pretty driven and ambitious and just kind of chase. I just chase anything that kind of comes from <laughs> Probably a little bit like a, a mad dog sometimes in terms of projects because, you know, I get new ideas every day and... and the way I kind of get them going is I throw them out at people and see if they bite as well and then see if I can get a little momentum like that and then and then just get little conversations going around projects and they just seem to kind of 
take on a life of their own. And do you have a personal practice at the moment? I know in the past um, you had your um, alphabet blocks for children. Have you, yeah. Are you working on anything like that at the moment? Yeah, what I'm trying to do, uh, because I've got a, a practice as an artist and a practice as a designer, at the moment it's kind of hard for other people to see the difference between the two. So what I'm trying to do at the moment is separate them so that my design practice is really clear and what I do as an artist is, is, is also really distinct. Even though they're connected in terms of technologies and some of the philosophies, I think it's, a, it's important. It's going to be more important for me to kind of separate those okay. two things. So tell us about some of those differences between your art practice and your design practice. Well, I guess the main difference between them is that uh, with the art practice, I'm the client in a way, you know, I'm the client and it's, and I'm trying to um, problem solve my own problems, my own kind of ideas, whereas when you're working on commercial design projects, you've got, you know, you've got stakeholders, you've got printers, you've got all kinds of different variables that, you know, it's, art for me is just as challenging, but uh, it's, it's probably a, a much more personal thing and I'm not having to, um, I'm not really beholden to anyone other than curators, I guess, in terms of finishing work and then getting it out there. And which of your projects to date would you say you're most proud of and why? I think the one I'm still most proud of is the Māori alphabet blocks. And that's, and that's solely because they've gone on to have a positive effect on the lives of Māori and that's one of my kind of main goal as a, as a Māori designer and also they've gone on to, to move into Māori homes and that's and, and not just Māori homes but homes of many New Zealanders one of the positive things I hear is, and, and see is people buying these as gifts as kind of a contemporary tāonga in a way um, and I try to design them in a way that they that all New Zealanders will look at these things and think man those are just kind of cool design objects but also you know there's there's this rich Māori meaning and narrative tied into them um, so that's that's the thing I'm most proud of. Um, I am really proud of the the work in in New York as well. Even though it came out came about in a very strange way, uh, it's it's you know it's been so good for my profile. And I think it's the the things that I hear other Maori saying about it makes me think. I guess it's it's a positive aspirational work, and that other Maori see this on this kind of stage and think, man, wow, we can do that. You know, as Maori designers, we can get our things out there. And can you tell us a little bit about that project for people who might not have come across that? Yeah, that was a um, pottery. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that was a project uh, undertaken for Chorus, and they were looking for work uh, that would show off um, something special about New Zealand. At the same time, Chorus wanted to show off to New Zealanders their ultra-fast broadband capabilities. So they, had, they built this really big campaign around it. Um, and what happened is my work ended up being shown in Times Square on 34 billboards at the same time, which, you know, was really exciting. I, don't, I can't imagine I'll do any other projects mm. like that again, um, but, yeah, it was, it was great to be part of. Mm. And have you done any other work with Chorus following that? Yes, I have, actually. Um, I ended up doing a small um, bit of advertising for them um, a couple of years after, and, again, it was around ultra-fast broadband, and they were needing a number of of billboards and some concepts for website design and a few other things. So I worked with uh, with Chameleon Partners who, who ran that campaign for them and I produced a number of, I guess, you know, kind of new designs but using the, the artwork that we had um, and that was for billboards and advertising for the ultra-fast broadband. And are your alphabet blocks still in production and being reproduced? They are. They're still in production. Um, we've just changed the packaging for them recently but... 
we still need to do a lot more work I think in terms of getting them out there getting them probably wider distribution mm. you know the, the price point is a little bit high at the moment and that's one of those things too where I don't know what I'm doing to be honest um, but it's a cool project and I work with other this company who make it and but you know we need to bring that down so we can get it into the hands of more people we need to make it more affordable the challenge is at the moment they're made you know in Michigan out of recyclable pine and that's why part of the reason the price point is high we can make them in China for a lot cheaper um, but then ethically there's kind of different considerations around that as well and, mm. and these are all things that are really interesting for me to think about mm. as a designer and did you think about producing them in New Zealand are there blocks to that yeah that's interesting because a few people have asked me that mm. before and they're like um, and some Maori were like well, why you know, why'd you do it over there why don't you just make them here and my kind of initial response is that the company who make them first off make amazing products you know they're really well crafted secondly uh, they came to me with this idea this wasn't an idea I had so I, w- I wouldn't have even made these really um, without being contacted by them so that's kind of the second major reason and how did they find you? Uh, I think they just found my website yeah years ago and I got this sort of single line email you know saying do you want to work together on a project and I had the usual scepticism like who is this random company in America why do they want to make these Maori blocks what are they interested in but I Skyped the owner um and we had some really great conversations and he'd always had this real interest in New Zealand and New Zealand culture and at the same time the thing that really brought me on board was they had produced a an alphabet block set for uh, the Cherokee language um, it's similar with the Maori alphabet block it's not a money maker for them it was just something they were interested in um, and they could see that that language was struggling and I thought man that's really cool that they you know they're doing that and yeah why not work with them and, and help make a really cool product so would you say that you have a philosophy then of kind of, of saying yes to everything up until this year yeah. I think yeah that has definitely been my well, well maybe not yes um, you know because I, I get kind of emails every week from someone wanting to do some random projects so I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a space I guess where I can be choosy at the moment but you know for the first five or seven years as a designer especially in the freelance space you kind of have to say yes you kind of have no choice um, but luckily I, I think I made the right choices in terms of my career and it, it just the right doors open along the way as well and can you tell us about a project that you're working on now or you know finished working on at the end of last year and one project that I'm almost finished working on is which I'm really excited about is doing the design uh, all the Māori design elements um, and also blended design elements when I say blended I say I mean design that combines Māori and Pākehā imagery together for the Auckland International Airport uh, they're doing a really big development of uh, their departure journey at the moment so yeah I've, I've been brought on board uh, to create a whole bunch of design for that journey and that's been really exciting really challenging um, all kinds of stakeholders involved as you can imagine and working with the local iwi and trying to make sure that that everyone feels comfortable with what's being done. So it's been a huge challenge. And is that narrative storytelling or has it been more in the wayfinding area? It's more in storytelling. So they, they have a thematic journey um, in terms of departures and this journey you know, going from um, standing kind of on the outside part before you go in, into um, liquid aerosols and gas and security and all that. They've got this big thematic journey through it. And it's you. it starts with arriving on a waka um, and then going across the land and then up onto a mountain and into the sky and essentially that's where you're on the plane 
So I worked with um, with that kind of overarching narrative. I worked with local iwi and looked at how we could kind of tie uh, concepts and, and stories that were really important to them. That also connected to the local um, you know geography and how we kind of intertwine that into some of this this journey. Mm. And in terms of um, your process, do you um, work on paper sketching? Are you on the computer? Yeah, I think I've got. I think I've probably got quite a strange design process because the first thing I do is I write out a bunch of questions. I kind of, I almost kind of, not even brainstorm really. I write them out in a really linear way, just almost on an A4 page, and I write out all the things that I'm thinking about, like how am I going to solve this problem? What does what does this thing mean in terms of Maori design? What does this thing mean in terms of Maori culture? I just write a pragmatic list, and then I write responses to those. And then when I'm designing, it's almost like I've got this thing to guide me. So that's how I start, but I still sketch everything. Mm. So everything's still done by hand. Um, there's lots of photocopying and iterations, and then I digitize it, um, a lot of it, normally just through using Illustrator, mm. Adobe Illustrator. And did you learn that process, or was it something that you developed yourself? No, I think I learned that process through design. So, you know, in Monganoe, they really pushed us to use visual diaries. Um, and I love drawing and I love kind of sketching things and, and keeping it a bit rough and it's just you know I preach it to students all the time and they probably get sick of it but it's the fastest way to get your ideas out there is on paper you know and also it's the thing that I love visual diaries you know if you meet artists or designers and you you're lucky enough to see the visual diaries it's it's incredible it's where you really see how things happen and you often see most of the, the cool stuff that doesn't even come out of them it's just incredible do you keep a daily or you know, regular yeah. visual diary? Yeah, I've got stacks of visual diaries. Mm. I'm, I'm kind of bad though and then I just draw in whatever's next to me. Sometimes I keep it in order but I've got mm. stuff all over the place but I love going through them and one thing I find good about visual diaries is often I'll have ideas but I'm, not, I'm either not confident enough to do them or I'm not actually good enough to do them but maybe three, four, five years down the line I'll pull out a project and this happens to me. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll wait for that. That far away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe three, four, five years down the line, I'll pull out something and it's, it's still it's not a good idea and I'll have the confidence or I have the skill to do it now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're just bad ideas and they should just stay in there as well, you know. So do you think that you can then work in as an individual designer successfully or is it um, better to work in a um, small group as a design team? That's an interesting question. I've, I've worked in some small teams, mm. but I think even as a freelancer, you're still working in teams. You know, I'm, I'm, every project I work on involves minimum a couple of people. Mm. So I, I think that's just unavoidable. And at the same time, I prefer working with people because it's, again, the, the process in terms of design and iteration can move a lot faster when you've got other people to bounce your ideas off. You know, you don't get stuck in that frozen and that kind of almost like writer's block, designer's block, Mm. because you're not getting it out to people fast enough. So do you have other um, independent designers that you'll bounce ideas off? Yeah, I've got a few people that I send things through to. Um, Normally, I'm doing things... Often I have to do things too fast, and that's a problem, so I don't... Mm. I actually can't do that. Um, But I'm not that precious about some of my work. Um, some people might say the opposite, but yeah, you know, I, there's there's probably only a few people I really respect in terms of Maori design anyway, and and there are, there just aren't many Maori designers out there, 
you know, we've got a hell of a lot of artists and carvers and weavers and tattoo artists, but not many Māori designers. So that is a little bit of a problem for me. And are there people internationally then that you'd look to in terms of um, a cultural um, practice and view on design? I'm, I'm just starting to get better at that, to be honest. Um, and, and some of that's coming through the research side and being based within academia because, you know, you've... You do a lot more readings, and when you go to these international conferences, you make a lot more connections as well. But I am, I am looking and interested in, in things like creating an Indigenous design centre that might be kind of a, you know, a place for Indigenous designers from around the world to kind of come together um, and create amazing new design. And looking forward, you know, we're in a new year, 2017. You know, are you excited about anything in particular or... Um do you see any big issues for graphic design this year? I think I think the big issues for design are the big issues for the world. Mm. You know, in this post kind of Trump Brexit time, um, there's a lot of things that I think we need to work on, and, and I'm really excited about what we're going to be doing this year at AUT. You know, we you know within my department we've had a, you know some really good discussions at the end of the year around things that we think we can do within our department to help fight ignorance and that ignorance is causing I think a lot of problems around the world so we're going to look at that at focusing a lot of our content on or creating content that helps I guess create more enlightened human beings and I think I'll split this into two um, as you as you teach um, what would you say to students and new graduates entering the creative and design industry in New Zealand? That is a tough question. Um, it's funny, I was a student, a, a, a student who came out of a design school and she'd been out of design school for one or two years, emailed me. I thought it was kind of funny because the email was pretty much, so how do I do what you do? Um, and my only res- response was, you just got to work your ass off. Like that's what you've got to do. It's, it's kind of, I think it used to bother me because I did a lot of postgraduate study and I think people thought I was, I was having this cruisy journey. But if you talk to anyone who was living close to me during that time, I was in studio late every night. I was in studio almost every Saturday for about seven years, you know, doing all this work. So I think to, to if, if you want to be successful in that freelance space, you've got to be really dedicated. You know, you've got to work hard and there are, what three, four hundred graduates coming out a year minimum. So you're you're not only competing with those other students, you're also competing with the years and years and years of four hundred students each year coming out. So you've just got to be really, really driven. And what about to other practicing designers out there? Well, my challenge to practicing designers in New Zealand is to is to really try and consider how your design might reflect. I guess uh, ethics or ideas um, or a, a specific New Zealand um, design practice. You know, last year I went to uh, the Helix Symposium and talked about this. It was interesting. It was the symposium was around what is New Zealand's design DNA, what makes New Zealand design special. And at the end of the first day, it was quite strange because no one had talked about Maori culture at all. You know, you had this design conference, all the leading designers and academics and what makes New Zealand design special and everything everyone was looking at and talking about was pretty much still Euro-American design, you know, inspired. 
So I think we really need to look to um, our Māori culture, our space within Pacifica and that Pacifica culture and look at how we can start integrating that and, and, and start thinking about who we are as designers. I don't think it's easy for designers, you know, because clients aren't interested in that stuff, but I think there's ways of kind of sneaking it in there. Great. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for your time today, Johnson. Yeah, thanks for inviting me in again. For more information in relation to this interview, please go to the podcast links and resources on our website, designassembly.org.nz.